that's where I get inspiration to keep going forward is to, to try and surprise people. Bienvenue and welcome to Cirque du Sound, a sonic trip brought to you by Cirque du Soleil. This is a show where we redefine the boundaries of creativity with some of today's most forward thinkers, doers, and creators. My name is Michel Aprise. I'm the creative guide at Cirque du Soleil and the lucky stage director of some of our shows. And people know Cirque as a place where creativity thrives. And I often get asked, where do all your ideas come from? So I'll tell you, at Cirque du Soleil, they come from the guts feeling, they come from the teamwork, the dynamics, the audience, and they can come basically from anywhere and everyone. It's safe to say that at Cirque du Soleil, we love bringing stories to life. And we know the power of full immersion when it comes to creating good audience experiences. Today, on the show, we're going to delve into this idea of immersion. And I'm going to be asking to our guest, how do you lift an idea or story concept off the table? Right now in the background, you're hearing the music of Drawn to Life by composer Benoit Jutra. Uh, this is a show I have to full disclose, the writer and director of that show. So I was part of the creation team and we work closely to our friends at Disney Animation Studio and our friend Roger Gould, who is our guest today. So it's a good show, I think, to be the background of this conversation because it's a show that celebrates the art and the heart of animation, the classic 2D hand-drawn animation, and how we can relate that to the very generous work of the acrobats. Uh, the animator takes hours to create one drawing and then a second one. So to create one second of that illusion of life, you need 24 drawings. So there's a full commitment to that that we found at the beginning of the process that is very similar to the generosity of the artists, the performers who are in our show. So this is a show about the animation, but it's presented in a live performance with real bodies. So that topic of having animation brought to life with circus performers comes down to the principle of immersion. You're not just spectator, you are within that world and you're interacting with that living context. You will see what I mean in a minute. I am truly thrilled to introduce you to my dear friend Roger Gould. It's so much fun to introduce someone like Roger because he's got so great qualities. Roger is an American animator and director. He's also a creative director at Pixar's Animation Studio and Disney Animation Studio. And he works with the teams at Disney Imagineering, the theme that creates parks and cruise ships. So I would say, in other words, Roger Gould is an expert on lifting the work of the animation table in a way that is immersive and exciting. Roger Gould, my friend, welcome to the Cirque du Soleil podcast. 
Well, thank you for that very generous introduction, Michelle. You know, the feeling is mutual, right? Those of us who love creating things and working with lots of people to do something that none of us could do by ourselves, that's the fun of it. And it was really thrilling working with you on Drawn to Life. You're very living and people in your presence work better together. And I think it's a reflection of who you are because you're multi-talented and very balanced and exciting, very rich. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. I think that the word really gets summed up as collaboration, which your process, the Cirque Project, is obviously involves hundreds of people. Creating an animated film involves hundreds of people. It's creating a theme park experience, hundreds of people. So it is always about how do you find that core vision, help lead everybody toward that one's idea, but also, as you said, incorporate suggestions and idea and ways to make it even better from everyone involved. And I think that, that even that collaboration, sometimes people misinterpret to think it just means lots of people working on a project. I think it's really about people working together, really about bouncing off of one another and finding an idea and figure out how can we make it richer and deeper and better, or how can we take that idea and express it in those beautiful way. And I think that's why the relationship between Walt Disney Animation Studios and Cirque du Soleil was so fantastic on Drawn to Life is, first of all, we're both fans of each other's work. As you've learned, everyone at Disney Animation loves Cirque and lo is inspired by your shows. And the love that you brought to us to literally create a love letter to Disney Animation was such an honor. I think everybody was excited to be part of that. Every part of the journey was great. I want to start by asking you a big foundational question. What drew you to animation in the first place? Like a lot of people in animation, I saw a movie. I was four years old. It was summertime. And I saw Pinocchio. Ah. And... It was just a thunderbolt. I didn't know what animation was. I had no idea that people made it. I was four years old, but somehow that visual expression, that film just struck me so strong. And then growing up, I just learned everything I could about animation. My parents you know, got me my Super 8 movie camera when I was 10 years old, so I could start making my own animated shorts, very short. But I just always, always loved animation. And of course, Walt Disney Animation Studios was the dream. Then in the early 80s, there was this brand new thing called computer animation. I got into that very, very early while we were still just, we could do like 30 seconds. We could do a commercial or a music video. But then by the 90s, the technology had matured. And I ended up at Walt Disney Animation on the movie Hercules, where it was a hand-drawn film. But the directors, Ron Clemens and John Musker, who had directed Little Mermaid and Aladdin, said to me, we want Hercules to fight a Hydra. We could draw a three-headed Hydra. But we'd like a 30-headed Hydra. Can we use computer animation to do that? And I was like, probably. So somehow, based on my thought that I think so, they hired me in the next three years. That was my role, was bringing that character to life. When we did our first visit, Fabrice Becker, the creative director of Drawn to Life, and myself, you guys told us about a great way of collaboration, which is the trust. So, for example, for Moana, they set up a trust of experts from the culture, Oceanic culture, anthropologists, people from the locality and stuff. So regularly they would go to the trust to make sure that they were accurate and they were respecting the culture and stuff. And a lot of things were corrected as they were going. So when we heard that, we thought, okay, we want to be respectful about the art of animation. So could we have a few people on the animators trust that we could meet every month? And like we had like the legends with us and what fascinates me, and this is why you make me think about it, is that they're very innovative, always open. They're not about the past, although they respect, they're really well connected to the roots. 
they're always looking forward and in a very creative way. And I think you have that a lot also at Walt Disney Imagineering. So this show is about uncovering the roots of creativity. And today we're talking about how sometimes an idea that exists in one place or one form can translate into another form. For example, a book can become a film or a film can become an attraction. So it morphs into something very different with different rules and different laws. And sometimes it becomes something very immersive that surrounds the audience and makes them part of the experience in a way. So tell me about the work that you do taking Walt Disney and Pixar Animation Studios films and expanding them, being truthful to the essences, but expanding them to create these cool, immersive experiences at Disney theme parks. Yeah, that's <laughs> my full-time job. It's a crazy, <laughs> fun job, which is taking our films and then transforming them into new experiences. And I think what's always amazing and what keeps me going is that when we make a film, even a 3D animated film, it's still really stuck behind a screen, behind our computer screen or a movie mm -hmm. screen. It's a world that you would love to step into. Mm. And if we make our films well, when the movie ends, the audience doesn't think that the world stops, right? When the movie Frozen ends, you imagine that Elsa and Anna and their world, it continues. Mm. When Monsters, so Inc. finishes, you go, oh, what am I going to Sully do next? That's what's so exciting in the work I get to do, collaborating with Walt Disney Imagineering, is to tell a next chapter in the story, to bring it to life in a new way, And at its most fantastic, we literally build the place. So we built the Monsters, Inc. factory at Tokyo Disneyland, right? We build the town of Radiator Springs at Disney California Adventure. So you're there with a mountain behind you. You know, right now we're building Arendelle Castle in Tokyo and Hong Kong. Wow. And I can tell you, I was in front of it under construction in Tokyo two months ago. And I, 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 it brought me to tears because for the first time in my life, I was actually standing in front of Arendelle wow. Castle. So I, that's, I think, the joy for our guests is to step into these worlds that they love. And you're right. It's not always just build the place so you can be there. It's also thinking about different ways to interpret it. And certainly, you know, the project we did together was really a very different kind of interpretation. We were not recreating a literal place. We were really mm -hmm. creating a fantastic journey. And again, every project is unique. Mm -hmm. You know, on the biggest projects where we're building an attraction or building a land, it starts very much like our films do. The first year or two is really about story and design. And a funny thing about bringing a film into the parks is we have to ask, where are we going? And also, who are we the guests? In the world of Arendelle, well, we can be visitors visiting Arendelle. That makes sense. Well, in a world of cars where there are no people, then we have to say, okay, I guess all of us are honorary cars. And in <laughs> fact, when you talk to the, the cast members there, when they welcome you, they use that language. Oh, I'm so glad you were able to drive in today. Right? So we try to, to sort of put that mm. philosophical framework around what we do. We always just start with that basic question. What's the story? What are we trying to say? And let's make sure everything is guided towards that. And part of that question of what's the story is always looking back to the film and saying, what are the themes mm. in the film that we can try and evoke? Not in an explicit way. We're not going to tell the guests, hey, remember the movie was about this. We're trying to embed the themes and the feeling of the movie because that's what happens when people watch our films. If we do it right, they're not just entertained. They better be entertained. But we also try and take people on an emotional journey. And I think that's why... 
people bond so deeply with our characters because <laughs> they were with Anna and Elsa when their worlds fell apart, when they were separated, when it looked like Anna was going to die, when she made a sacrifice for Elsa, and then her gift of true love brought her back to life. So our audience has gone through that emotional journey with the characters. So when you see a guest, see one of our walk-around characters in the park, they don't go up and put out their hand to say, oh, it's nice to meet you. They run up and hug them. Like, yes, you're oh, right. we survived that experience together. And I think it's that emotional bond which makes my job so exciting and wonderful is that we basically we get to rekindle or reignite that emotional connection that our audience has with these characters and these stories in a completely new way. Just a quick reminder, you're listening to the Cirque du Sound, a brand new podcast from Cirque du Soleil, looking at the roots of creativity. My name is Michel Laprise, and I'm speaking today with my dear friend Roger Gould, animator extraordinaire and creative director of Pixar Theme Sparks Group and Disney Animation Theme Parks, all the parks, and also Disney Imagineering. If you like what you're hearing, I hope you'll tell your friends about us and leave us a review. I would love to hear more from you. Fans go first. Whether it's early access to seasonal deals or pre-sales, pick your tickets before everybody else. Sign up for Club Cirque today and you'll be the first to hear about access to special events, pre-sales and discounts. Take a look behind the curtain and enjoy up-to-date news on all things Cirque du Soleil, including shows, artists and latest innovations. Visit CirqueDuSoleil.com to subscribe. So, Roger, we're talking about how to take something from a reality of a film and making something uh, immersive. We talked about the incredible work you're doing at the Disney theme parks and Pixar and how you bring those films to, not to life because they're already alive. It's the illusion of life. It's very powerful, but you take it to a different life. This is something that we had a chance to do together with the show Drawn to Life. It was a great group collaboration and it's a live acrobatic journey where the stage is transformed into a giant animation table. And it's the story of Julie, whose father was a, an animator at Disney Animation Studios. And before he passed away, he hid in the house a letter to his daughter. And the letter says, I left my last animation project. It's incomplete. I'm challenging you. I'm inviting you to complete that animation. So it's a journey about the reality of animation, but also learning about life. It's Cirque du Soleil music. It was very important from the beginning to do that, but that integrates beautifully some uh, of the best Disney themes. And I think it, it acts as triggers to, to the emotions of, of people. And it's, it's, it was fascinating for me during the process to see, oh my God, five notes of a theme can just like bring people back to what they love. So with this show, we celebrate the art of hand-drawn animation, the pure dedication that is there. And if you do it for the ego, you you will not be happy in animation. So it was beautiful, beautiful beings. Same thing with our acrobats. You know, the Cirque du Soleil show, the star is the show. So it attracts beautiful people. So I could see the, the connection between our two worlds. So sometimes you take something that exists, so the classics, okay, you honor them. But you are in a context when you want to be innovating. So how do you do that? I think one of the things that was so fantastic is when you first came to visit the animation studios, you told me this beautiful story of a show you did about a musician in South America 
mm. and how you had gone to his childhood home and sat in his room and, and literally had his phonograph that he'd listened to music and been inspired by. And I, I love that you responded to the physical environment. And then you went and you spent time with Eric Goldberg, literally just in his office as he was drawing and bringing a character to life on the page. And you came out of that and I could see this giant light bulb had gone <laughs> off. They were like, I want that. Somehow I want the audience to feel what you had just felt seeing True. Eric drawing. It's a magic, right? And Eric, Mark Hen, Randy Haycock, these incredible animators we have at Disney Animation, seeing them put pencil to paper, it's just, it's mind blowing. And so I think that was so exciting because that really was in many ways kind of the genesis, that spark. Mm -hmm. said, all right, this character's gonna go on a journey. She's going to learn that magic. And in fact, she's going to learn to master it. And I think that was what was so fun was saying, all right, how do we take the idea of the animator who's not seen by our audience, right? We're the invisible hand. How can we bring that foreground and let that be a journey that a character could actually go through learning lessons of animation, but as you always said, treating the Disney animated characters as really mentors and guides for her. Characters that she takes inspiration, finding the bravery of Rapunzel to leave that tower one day and go on a new adventure, mm -hmm. to find the warmth of Olaf who sees love everywhere that he looks. And I just loved really digging into that kind of emotional idea behind every character to help inspire our character, our protagonist, Julie, through her animation journey. This is so true because Julie, our main character, has witnessed her father drawing those characters. So she was brought up with them like older sisters and older brothers. So, and you look up to them. And if you experience fear, you can connect with the fear that was experienced by your heroes. And then it helps you. And fairy tales are like that. They will put you metaphorically into a situation of the great, great big emotions, the big life-threatening situations, the big emotions of love and sorrow of losing people or losing a friend and stuff. So, so then when these experiences show up in your life, you're well-equipped to that. I think you're right. And I think that's what was fascinating about this show because we did start it before the pandemic. And it was a story right. about a young girl whose father was an animator who had passed away a year before. And her dealing, confronting her grief and moving forward came in the form of this task that he left her to finish a piece of animation and to find her own voice. And what was fascinating was we had that pause in the pandemic and we came back. Everyone in life experiences grief at one time or another, but the pandemic, there was a feeling that grief was all around us. Yeah. And I think the meaning and the emotional impact of the show was elevated and kind of forefront for all of us in a way that we never would have imagined when we began. It's funny because it's the first time I decided that we have a story that starts with the reality of a parent dying. And it was like questions internally here at the beginning, like, oh, do we want to do like, is our show is really joyful and stuff. And I raised my hand and I said, look, look, there's three quarters, not half, but three quarters of stories in Disney that have at least one parent. I mean, you were talking about Elsa and Anna. Both parents die within the first minutes of the movie. So I thought, okay, if animation is the illusion of life, what about in someone's life if you lose your father? So you lose life. So then you will regain life. So to me, it was always like, it's not about death. It's about, it's a very positive beginning because it's the next chapter. There are a bunch of really interesting ideas you're hitting there. One is, you know, there's a reason that so many of our films do have a parent missing. And it's really so that the young person has to go out on their own. They don't have the protection of a parent to solve the problem for them or to protect them. And they have to find an inner strength they didn't know they had. You know, 
making friends along the way, and ultimately working to make their own lives and often the lives of those around them better. And I think that's what was so fun is that we took that broad template and we applied it in the show because Julie, again, is on her own, but enters this magical realm of animation, makes friends with these wonderful imaginary characters and does learn and does find a strength she didn't know she had to move forward in life. And I think one of the most beautiful moments in the show is when she sees that a sort of magical memory of her parents dancing together and realizes the first time that she's not the only one who experienced loss, that her mother also experienced loss. And I think that's such a profound thing mm-hmm. to go from just thinking about yourself to thinking about others. And that moment of growth, I thought was really beautiful. One of the things that was so great in collaborating on the project is that really we approach it project the same way, which it started with an outline, but it really started with storyboards, with beating out what are all the moments And I remember at one moment we were in Montreal, we had all of the boards up on easels around an enormous soundstage. And we just started moving the boards around. Like, well, what's the best way to progress the story? And that's very much what we do, Disney Animation. So it was so fun to go, but what has she learned now? Where is she emotionally? And how do we keep her moving forward? And I think one of the things that I'm proudest of in the collaboration is that we made a beautiful Cirque show that touches people's hearts. And the fact that you'll see people tearing up at the end of the show when they (laughs) see that Julie has triumphed and overcome her grief and is ready to move forward, I just thought was a really beautiful, beautiful result. I don't know if you remember one of the Swing to Swing artists. Her name is Ekaterina Boszikova. And we were really adamant at the beginning to have a female lead character. And we wanted to showcase acrobats that were doing risky things and were female. And it was such a great discussion that we had about the concept of what is the princess today? And so what do you think about the whole question of, you know, what is it to be a Disney princess today? Our films are sources of inspiration for people, young and old. You know, these are characters who are confronting challenges and move forward in their lives. And that we all have that. And so I think one of the things that I hadn't anticipated watching the show in rehearsals over and over and over again is When the shows are done and they're open to the public, everything seems effortless in many ways. But watching the rehearsal and seeing people actually, you know, have problems and slip and oh my gosh, I mean, it's really, I would be gripping my armrests in fear for the performers because they really are doing dangerous things and ultimately making it look effortless and beautiful. So I think that display of strength and confidence is so fantastic to share with an audience. And I think it is very much what our characters of all kinds, but certainly our princess characters, as we move forward, we really try to think of them as empowered people who are facing challenges, but finding the confidence and the support of those around them to move forward and meet those challenges. You know, in a lot of our early princess stories, you can look at them and say that the primary goal of the character is to find a man. And certainly that's something we've really changed in our contemporary princess stories. Look at Anna and Elsa, Moana, these incredibly powerful Raya, These characters who are there for not just themselves, but for their friends and their communities trying to lift the people up around them. But even as we look back at our earliest princes, we see that they have these core attributes that are still really meaningful. I mean, Snow White literally races out alone into a forest to try and escape and then has to figure out how to make a better life for herself. And then she finds these friends and it's her joy and her generosity that helps lift them up and lets her find her own new life. And so we want to find what is still relevant and powerful because these characters are still beloved and we want to celebrate their strengths and inspire people today. 
when we create a show at Cirque, I can say personally, like one of my favorite moments is, yeah, you've worked with storyboards, text, or renderings and stuff. And then when the artists show up and we do the costume fittings and when we start mm. the staging, there's this moment of, wow, it's, they're alive and they bring their yeah. own creativity. So it becomes way, way richer than what I have in my head and the team has in our collective heads. How do you feel the magic when you have something from a film that suddenly is in 3D, immersive? You were talking about environments, characters. Tell us more about about that amazing feeling it must be. It is always incredible. You know, I mean, for Cars Land out in California, we built the town of Radiator Springs. We built a mountain range. So beautiful, yeah. And I remember we had a preview weekend right before we opened to the public, and we had... All of Pixar Animation Studios was invited and people came and they brought their families. And I was standing in front of Luigi's Casa della Tires with Jeremy Lasky. And Jeremy Lasky was the director of photography for Layout. I mean, he set up the camera shots for the whole movie. He led that team. And we're standing in front of Luigi's and he just looks puzzled. He says, I made this shot and now I'm standing in the shot. Wow. it's, you know, it just, it, it, it fries your brain. It's just this incredible thing to, to physically be in, in an imaginary place. And so for me, that's the joy. And I see that on the faces of, of our guests and our cast members every day, that they're so happy to be in this other world, a world that they've fallen in love with. I get to work directly with the filmmakers who created these movies and connect them with our partners at Walt Disney Imagineering, because we're not simply rebuilding something that was in the movie. If mm-hmm. you think about the world of cars, we really never went inside Flo's V8 Cafe, for example. So we had to decide, well, what is that interior? How would she decorate? And there's a, a backstory that actually got cut from the first movie where we learned that Flo had been the lead singer of a girl group, Flo and the Motorama Girls, and that they were on tour and their literally their tour truck got broke down in Raider Springs and she ended up staying and uh-huh. then meeting Ramon and all the cars from her group went to Ramon's to get a fresh paint job or a pinstripe or a flame job. And one day, Flo finally went to Ramon and he was holding his airbrush and he threw it to the ground. And he said, I can't paint you. She's like, why not? I said, because you're already perfect. Uh-huh. And so she fell in love and stayed. So we celebrated that story. So we created the record covers and the record albums mm. from her girl mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. to decorate that dining room. Or in Epcot, we created the Royal Summer House. We built this building that was where Anna and Elsa went when they were children with their family. So we had to decide, well, how would they decorate that? What paintings would there be? So that's one of the really fun things in my job is we're extending the story in ways you never saw before. We get to do a painting of Anna and Elsa having a picnic with their parents wow. when they're little. Or we do a tapestry that celebrates their story. You go to Toy Story Land and you're in Andy's or, backyard. Wow. But we never actually saw Andy's backyard in mm-hmm, any of the Toy mm-hmm. Story movies. But you're there and it feels absolutely part of the world. Everything is giant oversized toys. You get to be little. So we've extended the story, but hopefully in a way that seems so authentic to the film that you never it never bumps you. You just feel like, oh yeah, this I'm I stepped into that world. You touched the subject of how you involve the creators of the films into mm-hmm. the work of bringing the, the content or, or some elements of the film to to the real world. How do you involve them? Like some, sometimes they're dead, but for those who are, are living, we saw it in Drawn to Life. There's this scene of the comforting sheets like giant animation sheets and we project characters on them. These segments were original animations by Eric Goldberg 
Mark and all the team. So it's it, the only place you can see it on Earth it is at Drawn to Life. You know, we're all excited by that. And then we realize, oh my God, okay, so they obey to the laws of animation, but they're projected on these kind of puppet giant sheets. So it's live show. So it's another set of rules and commandments, right? And so we found out, okay, my God, so this has to obey to the laws of animation and the laws of life. It's very fun to bring something from film to real life, but it translates into different sets of rules. How do you bring the people from film to the theme parks? In Drawn to Life, we're li we literally looked at our 100 years of Walt Disney Animation Studio and found the greatest piece of animation that we'd ever made that we all agreed we need to show and celebrate. The transformation of Cinderella's dress or Pinocchio dancing and Stromboli's or Tarzan racing through the jungle. And so when we went ahead and said, oh, well, there's a scene with the comforting sheets where we're going to have all these beloved Disney animated characters come to life anew, I said to our animators, our brilliant animators, Eric Goldberg and Randy Haycock and Mark Hanna, I said, no pressure, <laughs> but we've just pulled the best animation done in the last hundred years and you need to do animation that's going to sit right. shoulder to shoulder with that. And they did. They delivered right. the most beautiful animation. But I think they felt the challenge and the opportunity to really stand shoulder to shoulder with their favorite moments in our history. Uh, there's this scene in Drawn to Life. One of the first visions I had was... Could we have screens suspended in the air that would be in motion? When an animator draws and is inspired, it's kind of lift by, and it's connecting to everybody who's done this art form before. And I think the moment of inspiration, I think it's the moment where you connect with the people in the past and everybody who does your art form. So I wanted to express it by someone who does aerial pole and is lift up in the air, does acrobatics, and surrounded by screens with just like little moments of animation and pencil test. Pencil test, for those who don't know, it's just the pencil on paper. There's no color, there's no inking. It's when the animation is born. It's the raw expression of the animator in solitude who does the 24 drawings to create that one second of illusion of life. So here we are. We're going to the ARL at Disney Animation Studios. So it's the Archive Research Library. People go there and research. It's very serious. It's very well organized. So I was about to ask them, is there like pencil tests that exist of those little moments and we could play with them? But I didn't have time to say that. They say, oh, there's a project that we're doing. Everybody's passionate about it. It's called The Gems. Walt was obsessed by conserving everything. So all the pencil tests, you know, in the process you do this and then once you, you go to inking, you don't need a pencil test but he wanted to keep everything. So they said, now what we're doing is we're taking them from the vault and we're taking a really high-risk photograph of each of them. So we were producing something that had not been seen for, for decades. It's like the animation in its raw form. And they showed us and they said, we're going to do lots of them. So just let us know what are your needs and we're going to put that in a priority. And I remember always we had a VR of the theater sure. with all the different screens with the pencil test. So we went to the ARL again and I said, can I please meet with the key people who are spending their hours and hours to do this? So they came and they saw their work in a Cirque du Soleil show, giant, projected, celebrated, being a spectacular, in-motion celebration. So they were like very emotional. It was like, okay, it's not two brands meeting. 
it's the group of people who are passionate. And sometimes we speak a different language, but we're talking about the same universal emotion and storytelling elements. And to me, that that example is like, okay, our diamonds were their gems. And thank God, yeah. thank God we <laughs> met because we made that necklace together. Oh, uh, it's so beautiful and so true. And one of the things that's amazing that I've really learned over the years is that Every film came out of time when for someone, different person, it was the most important thing. They were the right age or the meaning of that film just spoke to them in such a powerful way. And so those moments that you're talking about are things that people really hold dear to their heart. And that's what's so fun about bringing these stories to life, whether it's with Surik or in the lands or in parades or nighttime spectaculars, is that when people see those characters, they remember that emotion and they feel that in a powerful way. And it's amazing how just a few notes of a song, the piano opening of Let It Go, and suddenly people are there. And that's an amazing thing, that these stories have become so deeply embedded and in people's imaginations and in their emotional lives that it means so much to them to see them come back to life in a new way. And I think that's that's where I get inspiration to keep going forward is to to try and surprise people. Like, okay, we're going to bring that to life, but I want to do it in a way that they don't expect, That, but that's still going to tap into the love that they have for these characters. One of the things that was really surprising to me in, you know, I've been involved in the filmmaking process and the park and building attractions and other kinds of shows, but watching, particularly watching you, you know, when we're building an attraction, those first two, three years are all about design, but we're often designing a building that has to then get mm. built. It's a construction project along with being a design project. And in the last six months, this is where it's kind of like theater. We've built the theater. We've built the new building. We bring in all the sets. We bring in our animatronics or our projection. The, those are our actors. We bring in the music and we start riding a ride vehicle and we start really seeing how it all comes together. Mm. We call it show ride integration. And for me, it's one of the most joyful moments because when you bring it all together, there are things that work better than you expect and things that don't work as well. And so it's really about fine tuning to play up the most beautiful things and, you know, kind of push back the things that aren't so great, but really trying to make the entire experience the best it can be. But that's based on things that are really baked in, right? There's a building, there's a ride system, there's a lot of physical stuff that cannot change. Mm. But watching you just three and four weeks before we opened, still making significant changes <laughs> to the show. I was it was thrilling, exciting, and you know a little frightening because <laughs> I, I, it was it would seem so bold, but every change you made it did make the show better. But it's at that point you're kind of running on a momentum to be finished, but that willingness to always say, "Can we make it better?" That's that's something that I hold dear to my heart on every project. Is we're going to design it, we're going to be as smart as we can, but when you are in front of it, when you're experiencing it, it's going to feel different, and you need to be open to the idea of reacting to that and playing to the strengths and hiding the weaknesses to make the best show that you can. The definition of collaboration is that there's a trust that we're all going to try and do something new. And so therefore we're going to make mistakes. There are going to be problems. That is fundamentally part of the process. And for me, you know, I'm not someone who wants to just sit in my room and come up with an idea. I want to sit around a table and throw yeah. ideas around or be in front of something and react to it and be surrounded by people who are better at things than I am and say, <laughs> is there a way we can do that? And seeing people find solutions to elevate project, that's what's exciting. And that's, you know, that's why I loved working with you and I love working with Imagineering and our filmmakers because everyone has that goal. We want to make the best thing we can make. We want to entertain people of all ages 
And we want to use technology not for its own sake, mm -hmm. but to tell a story in a way that we never could before. And I think you make me realize that our process is being collaborative. It's done by accident that it works well with the audience because it's not one person's perspective and we're rigid on that because that will just please one person. And I've seen it in, in very avant-garde theater. Like, it's very satisfying. Everybody's like admiring the guy, but honestly, did you have a good time? No, but I'm not <laughs> supposed to say it. Okay, but our process involves people So that's why the audience feels involved and that, you know, yeah. we've done the show not for our own little desire. Although, like, we're driven by desires to express things and stuff, for sure, I hope. But it, because it's a collaborative, when you get with the audience, your muscle of involving someone in the conversation or in the experience itself, that muscle is so exercised that, you know, you welcome them. And I think what's fantastic is that your shows the Disney animated films, the Pixar animated films, these inspired next generations of artists. And I, and mm -hmm. you know, when I was young and I saw Pinocchio when I was little, I was inspired through that. And as I started working at Disney Animation, we were talking about what was the film you saw? It was Sleeping Beauty, it was Aristocats. What was that movie that inspired you? And then up at Pixar, I remember one day asking a young animator who just started, what was the film that inspired her? And she said, Toy Story. And uh. I'm like, well, that's not possible because we just made that. Mm -hmm. And that would, oh, time passes, right? And so here was someone who saw it when she might have been 10 and here she was 25 because time had passed. But the fact that we're now creating things that are inspiring future generations of artists and people to imagine wonderful new experiences is very exciting and makes you feel confident that There, there's a beautiful future tomorrow for more and more beautiful imaginary worlds and dreams and stories and shows. So it's a good time. Roger, these are the best words to finish. I would love to continue this conversation for hours. It's been really great speaking with you. Please give our warmest regards to everybody at Disney Animation Studio and Pixar Animation Studio and also Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, we are a big family now. Every time I, I hear of one of you guys, it's just like, with a big, big smile of optimism. And uh, the fact that we could work the two companies together like that, I think uh, it's very uplifting for everybody involved. Thank <laughs> you, Roger Gold, for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's a pleasure chatting with you always. To the listeners, I want to thank you for your presence. Join us for each episode as we delve into the themes and ideas that underpin Cirque du Soleil shows. Learn more about the roots of creativity and how to keep your eyes, mind, and heart open to new sources of creative inspiration. And remember, it can come from anywhere and anyone. Thank you so much for listening to Cirque du Sound. I am Michel Laprise. À la prochaine! Cirque du Sound is produced by Cirque du Soleil with technical and story production by Jar Audio 